0: Your state, your team, your show. This is Sports
1: Nightly. Ramsey gets the snap, looks left, holds, now steps up, puts a pass off to Watt, Picked picks off, intercepted Alex
2: Davis. Alex Davis gets the ball, picks it off, Huskers have it at the 27-yard line.
0: Now let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin.
1: And we're here on what will be an interesting Tuesday night here on Sports Signing. We're going to have not one, but two Husker head coaches in studio for their radio shows. Coming up in hour number two, it's our volleyball show with head coach John Cook. And then hour three, our first women's basketball show of the year. Amy Williams, Matt Coatney will steer you through the third hour, so you just have to put up with Ben and I for 60 minutes. That's, That's doable, right? I mean, anybody could do that. I mean, we're good guys, but you only get to hear our tones for a 60 minutes tonight. We'll get into a practice report coming up here in a couple of minutes, and then it's off to John Bader, John Cook, and hour number two. And then a women's basketball show. And then tomorrow night, no show at all. We have Husker men's basketball. The first time with Fred Hoyberg as the head coach, as the Oscars will have their one exhibition game at Pinnacle Bank Arena. In fact, at this very moment. It'll be Ken Pavelka and Jake Muehlheisen on the call getting ready for their pregame show, at least getting ready for the game. It tips off right after 7 o'clock tomorrow night. So, we're there. The crossover season has begun. Ready or not, here it is. Kind of like ready or not, Ben. The snow that was flying down uh, yesterday. Most of it melted today, but some more coming tonight. It's the The month of November, we're still two days away from that. It gets crazy around the old Husker Sports Network studios. We're we're flying with football, volleyball, both men's and women's basketball going on.
3: Yeah, you're never really prepared for the the storm that that is uh, both literally and figuratively uh, that that comes around this time of the year. Uh, I was hoping to to not see snow for another couple months, but but here we are, expecting to get more. I think even tomorrow. And then, yeah, and then you get the uh, the double overlap coming with men's and women's hoops, and um, just kind of slams it right in your face that uh, that we're in the thick of it. And you know, as soon as you think you're in, in a rhythm and things slow down, we'll have ball bat sports beginning here before Whoa. too long. So man, it's uh, it's just it's just buckle in and put your head down and keep the feet moving. Let's hope football takes us a little deeper into the uh, into the calendar year, though. Yeah, no doubt. Boy, don't drop the ball
1: bat stuff on me, and I can't even put my mind around that. We've got the World Series tonight, Game 6, uh, about an hour away from first pitch down in Houston. The Astros can wrap it up. The Nationals face extinction, They'll only to win tonight to force a Game 7. I'm kind of silently rooting for that because I love Game 7s in the pro sports, whether it be baseball, uh, the NBA, or the NHL. Love all of that, but... Um, let's let's dive into a couple of things here Uh, we we did hear some pretty good news today it sounds like on adrian martinez ben that he did meet with some media folks after practice today today and um, said he feels really good and and that by his at least in his mind he's he's ready to play again and maybe maybe saturday against the Watermakers.
3: yeah i think first of all it's a good sign that he spoke Um, i think if uh, if he was really uncertain of playing then then I don't think he would have stopped with the media. So I think that's the first good sign. And the next good sign is is he's had some time away, and I, and I think that's really, really good, you know, to get him out of the spotlight for a while, slow down the hype, and to just maybe block out some of the noise and, you know, and, and the hate, really. I mean, I, I, there's a lot of criticism of the way that he played the first couple of weeks of the season and and so I think it might have been good for him you know and I was on a show earlier today and you know I kind of kind of talked about you know something coach Erstad always told us when you got a really good hitter that's that's struggling and you know having a hard time uh, you know just getting calm and and playing his game sometimes it's not the the worst thing in the world to just sit and watch you know take take in a a game take in a, a series or whatever it is and and Adrian's got to do that and at the same time you know he's been get, he's been watching he's been studying and he's been exercising his brain but at the same time he's you know any competitors chomping at the bit to get back out there and, and I think I think we're gonna see, if he does indeed start I think we're gonna see a pretty motivated and hype up Adrian Martinez
1: well yeah you're right I think it's it's a, it's a bit of a tell. That he was allowed to speak to reporters today. I don't know that that happens if he's not prepared to play. I, I, I got the, I got the feeling, and you watched him warm up on Saturday. I got the feeling he was really close to being ready to go against Indiana. So I, I kind of felt that by Purdue, that would be when we would. Uh, take take the chains off of him and let him go and be let him be the guy again. But uh, yeah, that's a bit of a tell. I think that he he did meet with the media today. Also, Noah Vedro uh, said he's fine too. He left the game late first half, and Luke McCaffrey engineered the teams until he got nicked up, and then Noah came back in and looked pretty good, leading the Huskers down the field. So um, maybe Nebraska a little bit healthier at the quarterback spot than uh, than they've been in some time, and that that's pretty good news. Got a lot to get to with, with Eric Chenander. Uh, certainly his name popped up quite a bit yesterday in the Scott Frost press conference. Um, little surprise maybe that it came up that much, although coming off of the Indiana performance, I know why it did. I, I feel like the defense in a large part of the season has been pretty good. It was not on Saturday. And the third downs is what I think sticks in everybody's crawl, that there were so many times Nebraska had a chance, Ben, to get off the field and didn't. And then even a couple of fourth down conversions that Indiana had to keep drives alive. And one that sticks in my mind was in the fourth quarter. They had a fourth and seven at the Nebraska 26, and they converted that to keep a drive alive. So i uh, anxious to hear some of the clips from Eric Chinander today. Also, something we did not get to last night. We were just so full. Uh, and gotten a lot of people's reaction to the Indiana game, so we didn't get into a lot of the nuts and bolts, but various outlets, been reporting that Miles Jones has entered his name into the the transfer portal. A guy that, you know, was kind of billed like uh, a, a, mini, a mini Wandale, and that he could be a running back and a wide receiver, just hasn't really worked himself into the rotation yet. I, I don't know that I'm shocked by this. I don't think it's a huge blow. Obviously, if he Hasn't really been able to dent it in a couple of years here in Lincoln. I, I don't know that it's a, a huge blow, but it's certainly kind of a sign of the times that we're and we and we, we this may not be the last Husker that we hear about this in the in the coming weeks that, that does this. But your thoughts about Miles Jones now entering the transfer portal?
3: Yeah, you know Miles. I felt like uh, and again going back to his re- recruitment, originally committed to Vanderbilt. And again, this, this coaching staff came in kind of at the 11th hour and needed to put the class together and, and, uh, and, and evaluate very quickly. And I feel like miles was a guy that, uh, probably at UCF would have been an, a, a nice fine player and, 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 done some good things, but just, and, and I hate just putting this label on, on a guy like him, but just his physical stature, you know, he's Wandale's put together. Now Wandale has been lifting weights since his freshman year of high school and, um, his father's into fitness, so he, you know, he he's physically he's he's probably more ready. But Miles is a was came in about one hundred sixty pounds, soaking wet, and and, I, and in, a, in a league like the American, I feel like you can get away with a little bit of that. Just even a couple of the guys on UCF's team right now are are built that way. It, you just I just don't know that you can compete snap after snap after snap in this league, um, you know, very routinely at that size. So I feel like that. That was something that held him back, and you know I think just finding his way on the field was was difficult. I know he was uh, slowed up by the the shoulder surgery last year, and you know this year he gave it a, an honest chance when he was healthy, and obviously you know he got passed up by some other players, and 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 I commend him. You know he gave him gave it just about two years, and obviously sees the writing on the wall here, probably wants to go play go somewhere where he can play football and and have an impact and score touchdowns. I certainly understand that, so. You know, it wasn't a deal where he came in right away, was unhappy with his playing time and left. I think he did give it an honest shot. And I, I, just, I think this is a situation where it might be better for both parties. Time for us to jump into tonight's practice report
0: every practice
3: we're going to work on it every single day until these guys master it all
0: season long
4: there's nothing better as an athlete than being part of something that's bigger than just yourself
3: and i think these guys are starting to feel that and we'll keep building it it's
0: time for a husker football practice report on sports nightly
3: and our practice report brought to you by JTEC.
1: tech time to replace your roof call JTEC, tech the official exterior experts of the Huskers. For a free estimate, JTEC Construction is a family-owned company with locations in Lincoln, Omaha, and
3: Grand Aden. Eric should today, Ben McLaughlin. Yep, and of course, uh, both lingering comments from the Indiana game and, and comments uh, addressing big picture, as always, and comments addressing Nebraska's next opponent in Purdue. Let's start first with thoughts with Indiana and one of the themes and common conversations we've heard a lot since that game has been the inability to get off the field on third down and fourth down when it matters and of course Eric Shenander addressed that today.
5: Yeah uh, the problem is was very clear we didn't get out the field on third down we had a lot of chances Uh, I think just about I want to say 100% of the drives where they scored points we had a a third to medium to third to long Uh, you know bad execution a couple bad technique errors Uh, but we didn't get off the field on third down. That's it. Did a good job against uh, the rush. Did a good job on second down. Didn't get off the field on third down.
3: That was so key, Greg, with this team last year, too. So many costly third down conversions. And it seemed like last year they came via penalty. This year they seem they're coming, you know, just via play or or breakdown or bust or or something else. But the inability to get off the field on third down will kill you. 7-14 of
1: was Indiana on third down, so 50%. Two of two on fourth down. So nine times out of 16 attempts, they were able to convert on third or fourth down. That's just too high of a
3: percentage. The biggest takeaway with the defense and, and critique of the Minnesota game was the lack of run fit and Nebraska making mistakes there. Here, Eric Shenander talked about what he took away with the loss and the mistakes that were made against the Hoosiers
5: uh that that game it was a little bit of everything there was some times where we didn't get a very good pass rush when we rushed four. sometimes when we had some uh coverage errors some alignment errors but uh you know one time we have a guy double team and he catches the ball I mean that that stuff can't happen so there's a there's a multitude and it was not one group not one player It was a lot of guys
3: that was kinda of my takeaway too Greg the the pass rush was the thing that got hammered on but I thought it was kinda of a little bit of everything at times I agree
1: uh, I thought there were some busts in the secondary. I know some people have pointed out that too many times it seemed like we had linebackers lined up on slot guys. Uh, I don't know if that's by design or if that's what it needs to happen. But, the, yeah, I think it was front to back. I, I, I thought there was times that there was adequate pressure put on Ramsey in the game. And Indiana, to their credit too, Ben, they did a pretty good job of getting the ball out of his hands fairly quickly where he didn't, you didn't have much time to get
3: back to him. They did those drags those ins, and those outs just they, they don't take a lot of time to develop and that's why failure was so wide open all day what about the one-on-one battles that that we're talking about here's Eric Shenander
5: I mean we're gonna we're gonna put them in the best position we can to rush with four uh, but you know when they have five blockers you got four rushers somebody has to be able to win a one-on-one battle somebody's getting a one-on- one more than one guys are getting a one-on- one somebody has to win a one-on-one battle.
3: I feel like a lot of times, Greg, it's one of the Davis twins that, that, that is able to win one of those and, and, uh, and get to the backfield. But uh, unfortunately, it, just, it, it didn't happen early enough or often enough against Indiana. Still, he had a
1: sack in the game. That was, you know, he, he's got the most sacks in his career of any Husker defensive lineman. That was his 10th one. But you're right. Khalil seems like he's won more than even Carlos has this year. But it, it's not enough. It's, it's been a handful of times, it's
3: just not been quite enough. Indiana gave Nebraska a handful of different personnel packages and groupings on the field, and I'm expecting to see more of that as the season unfolds. The defensive coordinator talked about that today too. Well, I mean, just
5: because something's going well doesn't mean they're going to allow you to do it. You know, if something's working well against 11 personnel, they might get away from 11 personnel and put it in 0-1 and get in a bunch of empty. They might get in 10, they might get in 12. So you have to be able to adjust to every single personnel grouping. And then if they get into a different personnel grouping, something else might be working well, they're going to switch. Something might not be working good, they're going to stay with it. Then you've got to switch. Um, but that, that's kind of the game you play. So it, it all depends on field position and what grouping they're in.
3: And that kind of goes to your point a little earlier, Greg, about uh, getting linebackers on receivers. You know, um, the the 0-1 personnel, which we did see. uh, We did see a handful of 11 personnel, which... Uh, again one tight end one one back and and that unfortunately when they're in the 11 personnel we saw a lot of you know enough base defense to where that means a linebacker is going to be matched up on a wide receiver or Henderson shot the tight end and credit indiana for taking advantage of those matchups
1: good scheme Uh, that's what impressed me last week as i was studying indiana is that they do a nice job of getting what they want offensively and their playmakers out there to get the ball and they have plenty of them too that's 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 a pretty solid Indiana team, and so I, you know, while disappointed in Nebraska, it wasn't overly surprising as I prepped for that one.
3: And people may be shaking their heads right now, but I'll give you a tangible example that points to that good scheme. If you would have told me Indiana would have had that many passing yards and that many completions and Nick Westbrook had zero, yeah. I would have laughed at you. Yeah. I mean, that that tells you that there's a matchup somewhere that they liked and wanted to take advantage of, and they certainly did. One thing we heard from head coach Scott Frost at his press conference yesterday talking about was, uh, he, he quickly mentioned Deontay Williams being out has affected some of the, the, the pairings and, and, and players playing in spots that they wouldn't otherwise because of that injury Cam Taylor Britt, namely. Coach Shenander talked a little bit about that, about guys playing uh, elsewhere uh, due to injuries. Sometimes, sometimes not. You know, sometimes, sometimes not. Uh, you know, we're, we're at a, a
5: position right now where we gotta, you know, there's some injuries, which happens in football. That's that's life, and we've got some guys playing uh, different positions, so it's not as easy to get full
3: full sail adjustments. Uh, but that is what it is. That's where we're at. I think too, part of it, Greg, is th- that Deontay injury happened so early in the season that Nebraska's got to be used to that by now. I mean, guys yeah. like Eric Lee and Eli Sullivan, and I mean even Cam Taylor Britt, for that matter, when he's back there. And of course, Markel Dismuke's been a staple back there. They just know now; they understand that you know, if one of those goes, one some other body goes down, they're going to be out there and be out there a lot.
1: Yep, you're right. It's it's kind of hard to lean back on that one because that was six seven weeks ago when that took place. The thought I think going into the season was Cam Tater Britt would play a lot more nickel and dime, but because of the injury to Deontay, they've slid him to the safety spot. So you have different guys playing the nickel and the dime spot, but. Yeah, that, that's, everybody's
3: got injuries, that, and that one was a long, long time ago. Something you pointed out to me after the game uh, and even yesterday at the press conference is Darian Daniels' lack of, of playtime, not something I even really noticed too much during the game, but you know, hindsight definitely sticks out like a sore thumb. Darian Daniels only played a handful of snaps due to injury. Uh, did that impact them, the defense? Uh, here's Eric Shenander.
5: Oh, I mean, not not a huge impact schematically or anything like that. And uh, we did a good job stopping the run in his absence. Um, and then you know he wasn't going to be a big part of the third down package because we knew he was going to be a little limited. That was where we were going to get him some some breaks anyway. So uh, I thought the good guys did a good job first and second down without him being in there.
3: That's Darian's best asset to this team, Greg, is occupying blockers and stopping the run. Yeah. Uh, he's not a huge threat in the pass rush game, other than just taking up bodies, but. You know, I would agree with a lot of what Coach Shenander said there.
1: Damien, the younger brother, got a lot more snaps, and Ben Stilley seemed to be out there quite a bit. And, and I don't mind that. I, I think that's a one position Nebraska has adequate depth, that there isn't a big drop off if somebody's missing. We had the game where Khalil was suspended, that he was out. Uh, then you have Darian who only played five or six snaps on Saturday. I, Nebraska can weather that. I, I think they're okay at that spot uh, with, with an injury or two.
3: Indiana was able to, to gobble up some yards and, and bunches with some chunk plays. Here's Coach Shenander talking about those and, and why they were giving up against Indiana.
5: Yeah, I mean, Indiana had a good, uh, a good plan for unbalanced formation against us, um, and we had to get that thing corrected this week. That's where those chunk runs came. And once again, once again, Wednesday is a big red zone goal line third down day. Practice was not good last week.
3: Hmm. Yeah, so red zone defense is a whole other conversation. But, um, you know, I feel like this team's doing better against the run, but better is not going to cut it against Iowa and Wisconsin.
1: You're right. It's a totally different kind of a setup with what they're going to run compared to what Indiana did and what we'll see from Purdue, which will be very similar to what Indiana did. But there, there's something at the very end he slipped in there, Ben, about how last Wednesday's practice when they do a lot of goal line and situational stuff wasn't very good. And we've heard from fans who say, I'm tired of hearing about how great practices are. Well, there's, there's a coordinator saying last Wednesday's wasn't very good, and it
3: showed up on Saturday. Sure did. You mentioned Purdue. What has Coach Shenander seen from their offense given all the injuries they've had?
5: Well, in the run game, obviously, they, they do a lot of different things to get a lot of groupings in there. You know, once again, you're going to see 10 personnel, you're going to see 01, 02, 12. They even get in some pro-style runs, which not a lot of people do, that are a spread operation. So they're trying to find some ways to run the football. Um, they've done a good job of finding ways to run the football. They haven't had a ton of success, but some of that stems from they're really good at creating formations to get you in a disadvantaged passing-wise. Uh, so you just got to be ready for a lot of groupings. I don't know if Rondell Moore is going to play, but you got to be ready in case he is. Uh, David Bells emerged as a big-time receiver. Their tight end has become a really good blocker and a really good target in the pass game, and the young quarterback can make, make a lot of throws. He's had some ups and downs, too, but he's done a really good job. So you got to be ready for – the, the, the hard part about them is you have to be ready for the whole passing attack, and then you have to be able to stop the run.
3: Yeah, Rondale Moore not sure on his status. Very high praise from the head coach yesterday about the dynamic sophomore. Coach Shenander talked about that weapon that Jeff Brom has.
5: Well, you obviously have to have a way to double team him some, but you can't do it the whole game because then they'll—they'll, they'll, like you talked about, they're good play callers. You're going to take one guy out of the game; they're going to—they're going to exploit you at other places. So you got to have a way to double him sometimes, and a way to not, and a way to play some zone on him, and a way to play some man. But you got to have a, a different look, especially with the young quarterback.
3: Greg, going back to the cut that he said about Purdue, and and part of the reason that makes Rondale more and bell and those running backs when they're healthy so so successful is this this is in my opinion is the most multiple offense nebraska will see they do so many different things offensively he, he's a brilliant uh, offensive mind and, and it, in a lot of ways, it's like preparing for Nebraska offensively. They just do so many different things and are so creative with their schemes and take take it from a lot of different teams. It's really difficult to stop.
1: Yeah, it, it is. He's just missing some of his key players with Rondale being out. Sinclair, Elijah Sinclair, their quarterback, breaks a collarbone in week five. So his, his season comes to an end quickly. Uh, so that's – I mean – they're just shorthanded with what they're trying to do. They haven't been able to get much of a running game going. They have offensive lines, been leaky at times. So there just have been a lot of issues. I don't know what to think. People keep asking me, are you think Rondale's going, I don't know. I have no inside information whether Rondale Moore's going to play. But what they did in the recruiting process, Ben, is they had a great freshman in Moore a year ago, and now they go get another really good freshman wide receiver in Bell, who had 13 catches against Iowa a couple of weeks ago. That's what you do. You back up a class with another good class and some of these game – Breaking type offensive players. That's what Nebraska is going to want to do. I mean, you had Adrian Martinez in one class, and you get Wandale Robinson in another. What can Nebraska do next year in the recruiting class? That that's exciting to think about. But you're right. We're preparing for a Jeff Brom team's <laughs> not an easy an easy chore for Eric Chenander and the defensive coaches this week.
3: No, definitely not. And and I think I don't know that it's a it's a terrible comparison to kind of match Nebraska and Purdue up to see. Where where it goes in terms of offensive mind coming in, yep. uh, recruiting tools, how they use these players. Um, it's interesting to kind of follow these two side by side because I think you know what's going to make these programs great. They're going to want to do you know both of them kind of have a similar vision.
0: This is the Nebraska Volleyball Radio Show, right here on the Husker Sports Network.
4: Pass by oh, O-Ticket, a bad one, bump set to the back row, roll shot, Newton, Doug. Nebraska's going to get a swing for the set, outside Lexi, off the block and out, 25-23, Nebraska comes back, from the eighth down. And wins the first set by two.
0: With Husker head volleyball coach John Cook.
4: Jazz chases down the errant pass, and a big hit from Lexi's son after Jazz was sprinting all the way over to her right and tomahawked it all the way across the court. Perfectly placed inside the left hand, and Lexi bounces it off the floor.
0: Now here's your host of the Nebraska Volleyball Show, John Baylor.
4: Greetings, Nebraska! Welcome to your Nebraska volleyball show. In fact, your Sarter Heyman Jewelers Nebraska volleyball show. Sarter Heyman Jewelers, where Nebraska gets engaged. I'm John Baylor. Soon to be joined by the 20-year head coach of Nebraska volleyball, John Cook, the Big Red. One and one this past week. It was the Indiana weekend. First, the Hoosiers. Friday night, Nebraska drops the first one. Storms back, dominates the next three. And the Huskers take down Indiana 25, 13, 16, and 14. And then the following night, you just heard the final point as Nebraska won the first set coming down, coming back from down eight, and then dropped a deuce game in the second, coming back from eight down in that one and nearly claiming the second set. So at 1 1, we go to a third set. In West Lafayette, the Huskers lose that by eight and then win the fourth by five, and we go to the fifth. Nebraska does not lead in the fifth and drops it 15 to eight. Your Huskers are now eight and two in the conference, two matches behind Wisconsin at the top of the conference. The Huskers overall are 16 and three. What about the future? Rutgers at home here in Lincoln, 7 p.m. Friday night. Rutgers has a one match win streak. Rutgers just broke an 80 match, big Ten conference losing streak by winning set number five at home against Northwestern on Sunday Northwestern somehow remains un or winless, rather, in the conference. And meanwhile, number seven, Penn State, the best rivalry in college volleyball. Resume Saturday night, 7.30, the blue against the red. I'm John Baylor, and you know your identity, and you can join us at 866-HUSKER-1, 866-HUSKER-1, on the Nebraska Volleyball Show, Tuesdays, 7 p.m. Central. Here's the head coach, John Cook. How are you, sir? JB, doing good.
6: A little chilly tonight, but the body's adapting. Winter has arrived without warning. Yeah. This is always a hard time of year because it's just like, It gets really cold. And it's
4: usually while you're sleeping. So there's no adjustment period. You go to bed, things are balmy. You wake up, ho, where are my fire engine red long johns?
6: Yeah. I mean, I'm still trying to wear shorts, but it it feels cold.
4: You can take the kid out of San Diego. (laughs) You can't (laughs) take San Diego out of the kid. That's right. (laughs) But you've been going with the hoodie look. You hang out with all these... Young adults, you start to dress like them. Well, Scott Frost wears these hoodies too, so I'm just trying to be cool. (laughs) I I think it's a, a, a lack of appreciation for peripheral vision. I mean, what? hoodies are so popular. And I, I just think people don't want to see to the right or left. Oh, they just is that want where, to go.
6: I, I can see okay. Well, your hoodie's down. Oh, oh, to have the hoodie on. Yes. Yeah, you're okay, right. Yeah, that's you're right. But it's, it's Yeah, the, you can hide. So yeah. let's, let's see. I'll just, I'll just hide on the show here. Very Nobody nice. Can see me. That's see
4: <laughs> Folks, you want to see John Cook with a Scott Frost-looking hoodie on top of his head? Tune in now. We've got it on video
6: <laughs> yeah. here at the Oscar uh,
4: Volleyball <laughs> Show. Coach, you got some uh, – well, tell us about um, how the team learned of this – Uh, unspeakable tragedy, the loss of a volunteer graduate assistant within the volleyball program.
6: Uh, They learned about it when I told them. How did that meeting go? Uh, Well, you can imagine it didn't go well. I mean, everybody's in shock and it's it was a tough one. And there's no
4: preparation for this. Has anything like this occurred in your 27 years as a head coach?
6: No. So... Yeah, it's all new territory, but we have a great support staff. Um, Brett Haskell and I and Lindsay, you know, got together and kind of made a plan and how how we would handle everything. And we had support for everybody and and uh, so uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's a really tough deal. I really feel terrible for his family mm-hmm. and and uh, it's very confusing, you know how all this happened and so we we still don't know all the details and uh, it's just a really really tragic thing
4: and do you have been in touch with Dane's family yeah since this happened and yeah have they returned to Lincoln at this point have they come to Lincoln
6: no there's going to be a funeral uh, Friday uh, in New York Mm, Uh, we're sending um, four people there
4: and the, these are young women that play on the volleyball team. This is something they're unaccustomed to. We're, uh, adults are unaccustomed to this. Yeah. It's so difficult. This, this is against all of our instincts and understanding of, of uh, uh, reasonable expectations. So this is just such a difficult time. How are these young women on your team taking this?
6: Well, I can, I can tell they're, and I feel the same way, you just, uh, you're just, you just emotionally drained right now. So we, we actually, uh, you know, I uh, had a very short practice yesterday, just to try to get people moving, and then uh, today we, they actually did pretty good. But you can just tell there's just something missing. You know, it's uh, they're working hard, but there's just there's there's just something missing. And uh, but they're they're all sticking together. They're actually going boo to the zoo tonight uh, to represent volleyball. We have a couple that have tests, so I don't know if they'll be there. But I said, you guys, you don't have to do this. I mean, it's been. You know, they've had a lot of time occupied the last few days with all this. And uh, they said, no, we want to go. We want to be with the kids. So I thought that was a really healthy, positive sign, Um, you know, that they want to be together. They want to do this. And, and, uh, you know, again, it's a good, you know, you go and be around other people and young kids that, that energizes them and takes their mind off everything. Boo at the <coughs> Folsom Children's Zoo here in Lincoln, Nebraska. Yeah, it's a big deal.
4: <laughs> yeah, it's a big crowd there every night for Boo at the Zoo. You throw the Husker volleyball team out there, I don't yeah. know where people are parking. Yeah. Yeah. We're already parking four or five blocks from the zoo. At Boo at the Zoo. Throw Meanwhile, Dane would normally be practicing with the team. Right. So when you say something's missing, literally, yeah. he's not there.
6: Yeah, it's a big void. And, um, it's hard because, you know, I, I'm i like, we we do certain drills that he would help initiate and like, okay, he's not there, you know, it, the drill doesn't go. So, you know, we, we kind of have to, having to make some adjustments and because uh, we have our routine that we're in and it's just, you know, so it hits you every, all the time, you know, even throughout practice, throughout the day.
4: Nebraska volleyball now has to recover uh, somehow and uh, – perhaps playing a volleyball match on Friday night is an antidote to all this that is so difficult to get through for Nebraska volleyball and Friday night is Rutgers and then Saturday night is Penn State. Coach John Cook is here. 866 Husker 1, 866 Husker 1 and volleyball at a time like this seems secondary but it was three nights ago when Nebraska suffers its second conference uh, defeat and it probably feels like a lot more than three nights ago coach but when did you get the sense on saturday night that nebraska was going to be in for a struggle before you got off the <clears> bus or
6: no we actually had a really good serving pass and uh you know we and we got in the gym and it was freezing in there so i knew right away it was so cold in there uh, i mean i i was shivering and i don't know if Purdue set us up or you know But it was, they run this, they got this new air conditioning system, and then it's cold out, so it was really cold in there. So I knew, okay, our players are gonna have a hard time getting warm. The ball's gonna be really moving, it's gonna be really tough to pass in there. And um, so I knew it could be an ugly match. And then, um, just the way we started out, we just were not in sync. Uh, You know, Nicklin wasn't in sync, we just, nothing was working for us. But then we made that great comeback, so I thought, okay, we turned the corner, we're rolling, We've got to have a lot of confidence from that. And, uh, John, we did find out today that there was a pivotal point in game two when Lexi's shoe came off. Jalen runs out there, grabs the shoe. Yes. And apparently in the rules, that it's, when that happens, you stop, the, you stop and replay the point. And the refs did not.
4: Interesting. I
6: wondered if and we, was... we were yelling like, hey, are we stopping this or what? And that's why Jalen ran out there because he didn't want somebody to trip on it. And so you got a coach going on the court, you got a shoe out there, and you got a player going six times over the net with a sock playing in a sock on a wood floor. Insanity. Mm. And they should have stopped it. Right when the shoe came off, it should have stopped. And Nick... the down official was trying to stop it, and the up official wouldn't. Why didn't the down official blow a whistle if he's trying to stop I it? I don't know if he has a whistle. I don't know. I mean, I I don't know if they do.
4: That's right. I saw Nicklin look at Lexi a couple times, hoping Nicklin could set up Lexi. But but she looked over so Nicklin kept doing this two-shoot in that 23-23 pivotal rally, which wasn't going to work.
6: Right. And I
4: guess Nicklin felt at the
6: time there were no other options offensively. Right. Well, we were trying to get the ball in the middle, but, I mean, it was just, Yeah. It was I mean, she had uh, Maddie on a big, but we I don't think we'd ever gotten a rhythm where or the ball where we could you know she could do that, but yeah, so I like to have that point back and replay it, because um, we ended up, I mean Lexi blocks a ball and they make a great cover, yeah. which we we Challenge. you know it's still and I've seen the replay. It's very – and we had the same thing at Indiana. And, again, it looks like the hand's underneath it, but they say a oh, part of the ball touched it. It looks no different to me. You, you know, the hand is going under. Did the ball hit the ground? So it's just somebody's total interpretation of it because it's so blurry, mm-hmm. and you can't tell if your hand's completely under it or if, it, if it's hitting the ground. I mean, you can see if it hits the ground, your hand's not there. But when it's that close and part of your hand's under it, okay, is all your hand under or just part of it?
4: And on a pancake – it's unsuccessful if any part of the ball hits the
6: floor. Yeah, but there's no way on those replays you can tell. I mean, I, I we we've seen it. In, we we got the video of what the guys, so, the refs saw. So then the ref can't reverse. So it. you, well they can, you know. But it's so hard to tell. So yeah. the one guy called it down, and the one guy at Purdue called it good, and you cannot confirm or deny it one way or the other. It's so close. And Both went against us. The one at in Indiana yep. and the one at Purdue. Yep. And I, and I, you know, I trust Jalen, Kayla, those guys. I mean, they got great eyesight. With, you know, they're, they're Olympians. And they said it was down. Well, the one in Indiana. Well, our players all said the one at Purdue was down. That's yeah. why I challenged because I couldn't see it. I mean, there's bodies everywhere. Yep. And, and then Lexi the one. actually thought it was down. Yeah. The one in Indiana, uh, all the girls were saying it. Mm. And they're telling me because I'm like, what do, you, what do you want me to challenge? I don't know what you're talking at about. Purdue. But I couldn't. Yeah. I mean, there was. If you look at it, there's bodies everywhere. And the, the setter just kind of puts her hand down. Um, and uh, at Indiana, I mean, I've never seen Kayla get up the bench and start yelling at her official. Because Megan thought she had a Yeah, pancake. Oh, yeah, it was beautiful. I mean, that thing was and whistled, textbook. And they said no. She was flying, diving, hand under it, pop up perfect up. to Nicklin. I mean, it was it couldn't be any better. But the guy called it, and, we, and I'm telling her, you watch, he's not going to change his, He's not going to look bad on this and change it.
4: And the play – at Purdue, they were discussing the no the, the, the play where Alexi's playing with one shoe and, and one sock uh, was twenty three twenty three. Yeah, and my first in, in inclination was they're gonna whistle Jalen for an infraction, no matter what. Yeah,
6: that's what you, I you, thought too. We can't ran send out a there. A coach can't yeah. go out there and start yeah. playing. Or that should be an m- immediate like yeah. blow the whistle so, so, done.
4: So it's either. Purdue's point because we got an assistant coach running out there, or yeah. we look at the rule
6: book and decide, well, he had reason to be out there because there shouldn't be any play right now. Play right. should stop. Right. So if we can start doing that, I'm going to have to start having Kayla run out there and make right. a play, Jalen run out there and make Kayla's a play. Kayla's good. Yeah, they can go. I know. They're just, really good. Just ask Brazil. Yeah. She'll tell you. Yeah. They'll tell, she'll tell you. So just, <laughs> Hey, go out there and you know, <laughs> get out there. Pop the ball up. Set, set a ball. Dig a ball. Chase it down. So That's if we shake a ball, we'll have one of our coaches run out there and sh- play How it. did Lexi's shoe
4: come off at twenty three twenty
6: three? Well, so we if you watch the whole thing um, – I don't. I think there was a wet spot on the floor, mm. so you can see she hits this wet spot. Yeah, her her shoe, her foot slips, and then during the rally, she's trying to get her shoe back on. Okay, and then all of a sudden, she's got to go to hit. <laughs> so when she really pushed off hard, her shoe flew off. Got it. I've never seen that, by the way. Yeah. Have you ever seen that in volleyball? Well, uh, well I saw it at red, white. We had a couple come off. We were having issues yeah. with it with Adidas shoes, and then I've seen it when it was happening in practice in two days. So we changed shoes.
4: This does happen. He's yeah. low. Because volleyball players don't go high tops. Yeah. They go low tops. Yeah. Interesting. It was it was fun to watch until the end of the rally.
6: Yeah. But Purdue played great. And we just, you know, I don't know if we played well enough to win. And um, we had our chances and didn't capitalize. And Purdue, you know, we gave them a ton of momentum and confidence. And uh but when you don't pass and you make a lot of errors, you're going to lose. Does the colder temperature make passing more difficult? Yeah. So yeah. the ball, bo-
4: the ball moves a little bit more. Or yeah. You know, so it's, it's
6: all aerodynamics. Mm. So if when you when you learn how to fly an airplane, okay. Yeah. So when the when it's zero degrees, planes take off way faster and way easier than when it's a hundred degrees because the air molecules, when it's hot, are looser and farther apart so there's not as much lift for the wing to get up when it's cold out it's <laughs> zero degrees there's the molecules are way tighter so planes just lift off really quick and again, know when i got my pilot's license i you know when i was flying in the winter the plane i was training in, literally we'd start down the runway and next thing i know i mean the nose is coming off and you know 100 feet when it's really cold and then if you're at altitude air's thinner and if it's warm and that's why the air the runways in Denver and Phoenix and stuff are so long because in the summer, when it's really hot, it takes way longer for the planes to get airborne. Interesting. Yeah. What's so this, a... this, this is Aerodynamics 101 right here. This isn't Nebraska volleyball. I'm not doubting any of it. I'm trying to figure out the applicability to twenty three twenty
4: three or to the match on Saturday night.
6: Well, you think about it. If you're serving a ball in cold air, yep. it's gonna the cold air is going to mm. make that ball lift, Ooh. move, jump. Gotcha. If it's hot, and again, a lot of our matches we've played in hot gyms. I'll, I'll go back 2005, Minnesota, Illinois. Illinois doesn't have AC, right? So when it's hot in there, oh, everybody man. passes pretty good because the ball doesn't move. That was a poor man's sauna at Huff Hall yeah, this year.
4: Yeah. So. We passed great there. There were elderly dudes in uh, terracloth towels that night. Yeah, it was really hot. Yeah, and that was there was another place we were earlier this year. So it's a totally different volleyball yeah. environment. Yep. When it's hot out. Yeah. And the ball just doesn't move a whole lot. But yeah. Interesting.
6: Yeah. That's why you see a lot of a lot of matches where it's warm in, in the early part of the season, they're in warm gyms with no air conditioning you'll see that these things, these games will go on forever. Mm. And it's just side out, side out, side out. You know, it's, no, and there's, you know. You're in system the whole time. Yeah, the pass passes yeah, perfect. Just a lot easier. Interesting.
4: So you going to
6: dial down the temperature on
4: Saturday night against Penn State <laughs> at the Devaney?
6: <laughs> we always try to make it comfortable
4: for everybody. 866 husker But you don't, you don't fly planes anymore. You still have your license, but you don't fly anymore. No.
6: No, I just haven't had time to train and stay up with it. So I, I've taken some flights, but I, I just fly right seat. It's not a good part time hobby. No, it's not. No. Tonight, it's the
0: Nebraska Women's Basketball Show right here on the Husker Sports Network. Ivy up the
2: floor right into where the defense is. Spins around Page, delivers deep right side. Kissinger for three. Yeah! Oh! Betcha! Heidi off the assistant Kissinger. Hits her 4-3.
0: Our weekly look inside Husker women's basketball.
2: 4.6 seconds to go. In the first quarter, comes in to Sam Hybe, crosses half court with two, with one. Can she get to the basket? Yes, she can! Yes, she can! It counts! She went all the way in 4.6 seconds, and scores! Sam Hybe gets to the rim more than anyone who changes a tire!
0: With the head coach, Amy Williams.
2: 107 to go in the game. Wydish hit the foul line. Keep right side. Leah Brown, three! Yeah! That's Off the assist from Whitey. Amy Williams pops her best. That's a big-time three by that freshman from Indiana. And Leah Brown has a career-high 27.
0: Now here's your host, Matt Cotney.
2: I am the luckiest guy in the world because for the fourth year now, I get to sit here for 14 weeks during the basketball season and talk to Amy Williams about basketball. Who else? gets to be as lucky as I do welcome to the Nebraska women's basketball show I'm Matt Coatney we have Amy Williams with us for the entire hour how have you been
7: I have been fantastic Matt how about yourself
2: well I'm, I'm doing great um, I have to say that it's great seeing someone other than Steve Taylor sitting across the <laughs> table from me. You could tell him I said that. I know you're good friends with him. We've got Coach Williams for the whole hour, 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. Uh, I always love the first show of the year because I have a million questions for you. Awesome. And I don't even have to prepare for the show because I walk down town uh, to have lunch and fans come up to me and they ask me questions about the team and I, I make a mental note and I'm like, okay, there's question one for the Amy Williams show. And then yeah. someone sends me a tweet and I'm like, okay, there's this question two for the Amy Williams show. So uh, the, the first show is always uh, a lot of fun because you haven't played any games account yet. And so right. everybody is even, but let me just start by asking the question everybody asks me. It's, I remember Larry King many years ago said the secret in interviewing is to ask the obvious question most people don't. So how's your team gonna be this year?
7: Yeah. <laughs> Just that simple.
2: How's your team going to be this year?
7: Yeah, I think right now we're um, we're very cautiously optimistic with this team that um, we're capable of being competitive for a championship. And uh, we feel like we have the pieces to be able to be competitive, but there's a lot of things that are going to have to happen and kind of come together and that we're going to have to be able to um, overcome. Uh, in order for that to happen. And, you know, there's storms that are on the horizon that we haven't even seen yet. Mm -hmm. Um, Some that we've been, you know, identified already early um, that we're going to have to be able to... This particular group, I feel like we're talented enough that... if we can find a way to really, you know, stay bought in and really uh, collectively come together and um, lean on each other and handle those storms with uh, maturity and, um, you know, be able to overcome adversity throughout this season that's coming our way, um, that we can have a chance to really be competitive and make a run for a championship.
2: We're having the Amy Williams Nebraska Women's Basketball Radio Hour tonight because the season gets started. This Saturday, uh, you'll host Rogers State in an exhibition game at 4 o'clock Central at Pinnacle Bank Arena. And so uh, I think I'm ready for the season. Two days ago, I didn't think I am, but I think I've gotten ready. But for yourself, your team last year went 9-9 nine and nine in a very competitive Big Ten. Overall, the record not as glossy as 14-16. and 16. You had such a hard non-conference schedule. On top of that... Four freshmen that made up the bulk of your bench, at least early in the season. Now you got everybody back except one person, Maddie Simon, graduated. Where would you compare your team today compared to one year ago? What are the main differences, do you think?
7: Uh, I think that right now today, uh, this team is a, a little, is much more understanding of uh, the sense of urgency that we've got to play with in order to be successful. And I think that, you know, we learned with so many um, close ball games one year ago that A possession here or a possession there can win you the game or can lose you the game. And so we're still trying to kind of um, figure out how to control that and to how to really like capitalize on that. But I think that it's something that we're aware of. I think our upperclassmen and returners have done a really good job of trying to impart some of that to um, our new players. But uh, I think any time there's just no substitute for experience. And when you have players that have had some opportunities to go through things, um, it just uh, is something that's incredibly valuable for a team, and we feel like we can really play on that.
2: You can visit with Coach Williams tonight by dialing 866-HUSKER-1 on the Sports Nightly Hotline. It's brought to you by Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse, Matt Cotney, along with Amy Williams. uh, I think most fans don't know that you had a close scrimmage against Arizona State uh, last weekend. That was a Sweet 16 team last year, so a really good majoring stick, I think, early on in the season. Uh, A lot of coaches are um, doing these close scrimmages as opposed to playing... Two exhibition games against Division II or NAIA competition, um, but let's just start with Arizona State. What were your thoughts on that close scrimmage? I know I know the coaches agreed not to talk too much about it, but just in very general terms, um, how did you feel about that?
7: Yeah, I mean, well, the thing that we like the best about being able to do that close scrimmage, and trust me, any time we can get into Pinnacle Bank Arena. With our incredible fan base kind of um, at our backs, we're excited to do that. And so the exhibition games provide us that opportunity, and and we're excited for that coming up on Saturday. But the thing about the closed scrimmage is it provides us an opportunity where we can play. We played four quarters with Arizona State, but we also did some scripted out situational stuff that, um, you know, just, um, you know, in a normal four quarters. 40-minute exhibition game you don't get all of that experience to be able to see some of the timing and spacing in late game situations and how to handle this and okay if we're you know doing this defensively on this particular situation or inbounds play and how we handled that and I think those experiences are very valuable up against somebody else Um, as well as we added kind of some additional time on the clock and just did some um, some more you know zone defense or working on some things that we didn't get into the 40 minute scrimmage so that's one thing I really like about um, that closed scrimmage situation and why it benefits our team but you know playing against Arizona State was very valuable for us because um, they are an incredibly you know intense defensive team Uh, their identity is you know to get after it and and you know full court pressure for 40 minutes and take passes away and deny and I think that for us to be able to get an experience like that before we are tipping it up for real um, teaches us so many things that you know we really need to continue to improve upon in order to um, be where we want to be.
2: 866-HUSKER-1 if you'd like to visit with Amy Williams on the Nebraska Women's Basketball Radio Show. Dorothy Lynch Homestyle Dressing and Condiment is the one-of-a-kind taste that goes with anything. It's good for game day or any day. Dorothy Lynch, endless flavorabilities. Huskers take on Rogers State um, coming up this Saturday at 4 o'clock Central. Jeff Gries and I will be there. You can hear that on the Husker Sports Network. I have to ask you about your team slogan or mantra this year, bring it. And I've seen that, and I've not been around the team as much as I normally am during the season, during the summer and the fall, but very interesting slogan. And I know you always have something that your team can hang on to. Tell me a little bit about that slogan.
7: Well, that slogan, you know, one thing that, you know, we've talked quite a bit about is we wanted our players to be able to kind of come up with what our mantra is and for them to be invested in. That And to really buy in when we're huddling out to that every day that we feel like it kind of needs to come from them. And in our postseason meetings, like, um, we spent quite a bit of time talking about, um, you know, being truly invested and what that looks like and what that means. And, um, you know, one thing, you know, we had seen throughout the men's basketball, um, tournament, you know, there was a locker room scene from one of the teams who lost in the sweet 16 and their coach, you know, was, was almost barely audible over the sobs and, and tears of his, his, um, men's basketball players, um, after they had lost. And he said, you know we knew because of all we poured into this that it was going to be cheers or tears at the end and i felt like you know when we talked about that as a team that this team really felt like that's we want that to be us you know tears or cheers knowing that we um threw everything in we were fully invested and then the other kind of a motto that kept coming up from them in their individual meetings. And the feedback we got was, you know, just the, the togetherness that it requires and, um, knowing how, you know, being able to lean on each other, like family and how, how important that, um, together piece is. So it was kind of invest and together, invest together, yeah. invest in together. And those were kind of the, um, the messages that kept coming up from our team. And so kind of, as we just looked at that, it was kind of, um, uh, two areas that we felt like we could really buy into as a group, and then that kind of shortened down to bring it, um, which is that investment together. Um, so I think that's something you know. Sometimes the girls will huddle us out to invest, and sometimes to together, and sometimes bring it on three. And you know, yeah. it's kind of the you know. I think everybody knows what we're um, what we're wanting to be about when we say that.
2: Eight six six Husker one. If you'd like to visit with Amy Williams on the Nebraska Women's Basketball. Radio Hour, uh, no NCA tournament last year after making it the year before. Um, usually making it to the big dance is a goal of most teams, no secret about that. But this year you've got your top seven scorers back, and I have to think not only is it a, a realistic goal for your team, but one your program and maybe more your seniors are going to embrace getting back to that big dance. How important is that to your seniors specifically? specifically for this team?
7: Yeah, I mean, I think that's something that's really important to them. I think they got a taste of that, Um, you know, just in their sophomore season. They know um, lots of things that, we've had to overcome in order to be in that big dance but just kind of how sweet that tastes um to be able to get that experience and so i think for them they've um these seniors have meant a lot to our program it's a group of seniors that are incredibly special to me because um you know three of the four have been with us since we got here as a coaching staff and you know we were um you know kind of starting this you know uh journey together and so um, there's nothing that I would like more as their coach than to be able to see those individuals playing in the NCAA tournament.
2: This is the Nebraska Women's Basketball Radio Hour. I'm Matt Coatney. When we return we're going to talk about those seniors. We're going to take a look back at overseas Huskers this past summer. Australia. Uh, how'd you get Izzy Born out of Australia? I was... Uh, I was fascinated to see her play internationally this year. Got to watch her on TV in the FIBA U19 Championships. Uh, They made it to the championship game, losing in the United States. But um, New Mexico seems a lot closer than Australia. You know, we thinking about that phone call from there. But um, what was the process of getting Izzy born here? Because that's a big get for the program.
7: Yeah, it is. It is. Um, we're so excited about that. And, um, you know, we've had some success as a coaching staff in our past of right. uh, coaching um, very talented Australian players. And it's something that, um, you know, we know a lot of people over there. But I think, you know, one of our former players, Nicole Seacamp, who is back in Australia currently, you know, playing for, you um, the opals which is the um, Olympic team for Australia but also playing professionally over there is pretty connected on the basketball scene and it's you know sometimes you just get those um, those kind of connections that help um, open up things but I think you know really coach Gailey did just a fantastic job of um, identifying Izzy as a in- incredibly talented young lady that would fit our system very well um, and really um, then I had the opportunity to go over to Australia Australia and be able to sit down with Izzy in person and, uh, when I was there, I got to have lunch with Kelsey uh, Griffin. And oh, Kelsey, yeah. um, you know, was familiar with Izzy and had trained with her a little bit at the Center of Excellence. And, um, um, you know, uh, I think just some of the ties to Nebraska um, and the ties to our coaching staff and the comfort from being able to sit down with Izzy and her family during the contact period um, in Australia was, was really valuable and beneficial in our ability to um, proceed the recruiting process.
2: 866-HUSKER-1 is the number if you'd like to visit with Amy Williams tonight on the Nebraska Women's Basketball Radio Hour. Hey, the Tunnel Walk was an instant tradition 25 years ago, and it remains one of the most electrifying entrances in college football. Subscribe to Husker Sports Podcast on any podcast streaming service, and you can listen to the newest Husker Sports original presented by J Tech Construction. Uh, Visiting with Amy Williams here, last year you had four freshmen. This year you've got three freshmen. You really needed those four freshmen last year to play, especially early on. They were your bench, pretty much the bulk of your bench. Different circumstance this year because you've got your top seven scores back. Then you add an Izzy Bourne, you add a Trinity Brady, uh, maybe a Kenzie Helms. But um, how different is it this year in trying to mold or meld three freshmen into a veteran team than it was last year where – Sam Ashton Kayla Leah you're gonna to have to play right now what what are the differences do you think
7: yeah well and not only those four freshmen one year ago but Christian Hudson was a new player so you're talking about like 45 percent of our roster was new one year ago and so you know you're you're you, you know you have a lot of different players that are picking things up at different speeds and different you know um, times and I think um, that that had a, a major impact um, but I think this year, those returning players have done a fantastic job of being able to kind of um, share um, their experiences and how that sense of urgency and that importance and the things that they learned um, from their um, their first year and, and their, you know, experiences up to this point. And it's really helped, I think, kind of just embrace those new three freshmen this year. And, um, and the fact that, you know, the three freshmen that we have really do a pretty good job of being coachable. I mean, you don't usually have to tell them more than one time. I think, you know, we teach things and it's like, it might take them a time to kind of a, a second to kind of trigger, oh yeah, that's the play where I do this or, you know, whatever. But for the most part, they really learn things very fast. Um, and that combined with great, Um, uh, kind of teaching from our upperclassmen um, and you know is is allowing us to advance a little quicker
2: freshmen sometimes seem to be more ahead offensively than defensively for various reasons defensively your team was four and ten last year games decided by two possessions or less I think your defense will get better if for no other reason than you've got everybody back except one person and defenses usually gets better as your birth certificate gets older i found but from your standpoint how do you think the defense will improve this year what things have have the team done to get better specifically on the defensive end?
7: Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's, it's a good question, Matt, and very interesting. We spent quite a bit of time really talking about that after our Arizona State scrimmage and, um, you know, in some team meetings, time, and, you know, is just, you know, what is it that we would like for our identity to be? And, you know, one thing that I think this group collectively, like, agrees on is that, you know, we want to be um, great at team defense, and in order to do that, we feel like we have to be the most communicative team on the floor. Yeah. You know, the talking, they want to know that they can count on each other to talk. And we talk about, you know, loud, early, specific communication and, you know, wanting to, um, you know, be consistent with that and um, knowing that you know the the more you talk on defense, the more you're intense, the more you're ready to play, the more you're you know alert and um, we think that that will carry over. Uh, to more team defensive stops and not really just relying on one or two people to spark us with, you know, big plays. Like we have a couple of kids that are capable of making, you know, big, big um, flashy plays, and Nicaea and Eliley is one of them. Sam Hybe is capable of that. Um, you know, we've got some kids that are capable of those things, but more just taking pride in team Defensive stops where everybody does their job, and it leads to our our team being able to be successful.
2: Exciting things like winning your team got to go to Europe this past summer. Uh, Every program can do an overseas trip once every four years, so this was the fourth year. Uh, That just looked like a a tremendous time. You went to Italy to start off, and um, how did you guys decide to go to Europe?
7: Yeah, um, to be quite honest with you, uh, I have never been to Europe. Um, we had considered, you know, several different like destinations, um, for that type of thing. And, um, you know, we knew that probably the best chance to give our kids competitive, um, kind of a competitive situation was to probably travel to Australia or go to Europe and somewhere in Europe. And, um, and the, team had gone to Australia, um, for kind of the last foreign tour experience. And we knew that, you know, in Australia it's, um, because of our experience with recruiting Australians, um, that in August it's kind of their winter. And, um, you know, when it boiled down to it, we, we, we elected for the slightly shorter flight and to a place where we knew that we'd be able to have, um, good, uh, weather and and um, you know that we we could play great competitive teams, see some incredible experiences and um, history and tradition, and a really experience some different culture, um, but also be able to get the things we were looking for as far as just competitive talent to go up against. And um, so it worked out particularly well.
2: Huskers will take on Rogers State this Saturday, and if you don't know this, Rogers State is uh, very important in the history of Amy Gusso Williams because that's where you started as a head coach. Very successful. And former Husker on the staff down
7: there. Is that right? Yes. It's just so exciting. Um, that is a program. That's where I started my head coaching career. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, I um, had left kind of the division one ranks to take that um, job because I just thought it was such a unique experience. It was an opportunity for me to be a head coach at a program that was starting athletics for the first time. And they had never had a women's basketball program or team or anything. And when I took over that job, um, there was wasn't a women's basketball anywhere on the campus. There was, you know, no uniforms, no, you know, to be honest, our first recruits that we walked around, you know, we walked them into a room with cement walls and said, this will eventually be our locker room and, you know, vision. And, um, you know, so it was a lot of young ladies that really kind of bought into our coaching staff and what we saw for the program. And uh, we were able to, in a five-year span. Um, take a team that in our first year went 13 and 18 and um, by the fifth year we were playing in the elite eight of the national tournament and um, you know it was something that we poured our heart and soul into building that program and now to be able to kind of uh, go up against them we have a lot of people that are still connected in that athletic department that we care deeply about and so we're excited to welcome them to Lincoln Uh, one of those people is one of our own and that's Jasmine Sincor uh, who um, played in our program just graduated here a couple of years ago and we're so excited that she's pouring into the young ladies and student athletes at Roger State and we're so excited that she gets to come back to Pinnacle Bank Arena
2: 4 o'clock on Saturday, you won't miss a football game. That's at 11. And then next Wednesday, the regular season opener, Alabama AM at high noon, and yeah. all kinds of stuff going on with elementary kids.
7: Right? Yeah, we're really excited to be able to have a sportsmanship programming that um, some of our athletes and coaching staff, and um, uh, not just women's basketball, but other athletes in the department, will be able to give some strong messaging to some of the youth in our um, state and um, to be able to give them an experience to experience that game. So we're well. Welcoming back one of our former alum, who's the head coach of that program as well, and so going to be looking forward to that.
2: I have not seen Margaret Richards in eighteen years, maybe. That'll be. Whoa. Yeah. I'm getting old.
7: <laughs> yeah, well, she looks the same. And Is she that right? Looks like she could still step out there and uh, and hoop it up. So <laughs> uh, I'm quite sure that she probably d's up her players. Um, oh, my goodness! In practice, so.
2: <laughs> well, we're underway. That will uh, wrap up the Nebraska Women's Basketball Radio Hour Show One for the 2019-2020 season. We will see you at PBA on Saturday afternoon for a 4 o'clock start. Thank you, Amy Williams. It's fun.
7: Thank you, Matt. It's been fun.
2: All right, that will wrap up Sports Nightly Hour 3. Thank you to everybody. And we will talk to you from uh, Pinnacle Bank Arena at 345 with a pregame show against Rogers State Saturday and then Alabama AM at High Noon Central on Wednesday for the regular season opener. Good night, Nebraska.